as an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures, but there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James, and welcome to Dev Diary. The series explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Adam Richards, current artist and animator at Chucklefish. So join us as we explore his journey. So today I'm joined by Adam. Adam, how are you? I am very good, thank you. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, really well. It's about quarter past four here for me. Um, for you, it's a nice nice time in the evening. It's about quarter past four in the morning here for me. And um, no better <laughs> time to do it. Yeah. Not, not a bad time of night for, for this sort of thing for you. But uh, it, that's the nature of the world, I guess. So this is Dev Diary, a series where we share the stories of developers from all around the world, their experiences and how they've come to be where they are at present. And we're going to begin things, Adam, the same way that we do in every episode. And I'm going to ask you about what your first gaming experience was that you recall. Wow. Okay. Um, first gaming experience is going kind of far back, I guess. Um, I think the earliest memory I have is uh, playing Toja Manal, the original Toja Manal on the uh, oh, nice. Sega Mega Drive. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a few people at Chucklefish that would say that's not a good game, but I have very fond memories of it. <laughs> well, we look at things through a different lens when we're when we're young, anyway. The rose tinted glasses, yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. I also played the sequel as well. So it was, it was me and my uh, my sister. It was one of the few games that my sister would play with me. Um, this was back when we were very small. Um, oh, yeah, okay. the, other, the other memory I have is playing um, some of the super old school adventure games on my uh, father's PC. I think we used to play uh, like Simon the Sorcerer, Simon the Sorcerer one and two. I think yep, those are probably yep, the familiar. earliest games I played. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And so, what did, what did that, uh, those early gaming days look like? How did things start to develop from there? Uh, well, like where, where did I, your I, interests start to start to go? For example. Well, my dad worked with computers a lot, so um, I kind of got introduced to computers through him, basically, and I, I would spend a lot of time in a Microsoft Paint on Windows 3.1 and do my little doodles kind of thing inside the software, and then um, I guess it would be considered pixel art at this point, because everything was pixels, and I would be playing yeah, these games that would be made from pixels, <laughs> and uh, I, I always just had this interest in sort of making my own game, you know, very naive back in the day. I would... I would um, come up with my own game designs and mail them in to uh, companies. <laughs> and of course, I never hear anything back, but I, I was just very uh, interested in the whole scene, basically. Um, it obviously isn't how it is today with the surge of the indies. Um, it was just a bit laughable now, thinking you could just send your idea and then they'd say, yes, I'll, I'll make this game. Uh, eight-year-old Adam. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of that's how it went for me back then. That, that's all fine, though, I'm sure... There's plenty of people out there that have got very similar sorts of stories in different ways, shapes, and forms. I, When I was very young, I was writing into the local games magazine here and always thought, oh, that's like my stepping stone to get in myself. I'll, I'll just I'll appear in the little uh, reader feedback section at the back. And, of course, nothing came of that. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, you were talking about how you were messing around with com- computers a little bit there and messing with some of the art and those sorts of things. Was there a game that you can identify at all that you feel like kind of put you on that path that made you think about pursuing that 
uh, pursuing games as something that you genuinely want to do? Obviously, that was very young in your particular case. But was there a game at all that you feel uh, feel like, I don't know, the, the penny dropped and you thought, this is something I, I want to do this more? I guess looking back on it, the, the one that really stuck out to me was like the original Monkey Island, um, LucasArts one. Um, Good choice. Just, yeah, everything about it was just just kind of blew me away like it, it had that narrative it was funny it had puzzles it, it, it had beautiful pixel art um i don't think it had the voice acting when i played it i think they went back and added voice acting but i ended up playing like all three um i think this was before the fourth one came out um just being like super like into this and being like oh i want to make my own adventure game like it's it's all just drawings and text right it's easy <laughs> yeah what's what's hard about that yeah, and then, I mean, <laughs> and then we come to discover there's actually a lot that's hard about that. Oh my god, it's so hard. <laughs> so these days, you're an artist and animator, at Chucklefish. But where did where did that journey ultimately begin? Um, well, we were, we were talking before. You spent a bit of time in Australia at one point. Um, yes, yeah. I was I that for know. about eighteen months, two years thereabouts? Well, yeah, I uh, I think I ultimately spent about two years out in Australia. Um, and what uh, brought you out to our fair, very hot land? <laughs> um, I had gone to college straight from school. I'd, I'd done about a two-year course in multimedia, which is what you do if you don't know what you want to do, basically. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> you get like a little bit of everything. Photography, uh, 3D modeling, like drawing, uh, like everything you can think of. Um and... Must be the equivalent of our local arts degree. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind it was, it of was... what I I hear similar stories. I, it was before games courses were really a thing, so it was the closest thing that I could get to, I guess, at the time. And yeah, okay, I understood. Yeah, and um, the topic came up of you know going to university, and uh, I I was kind of nervous about going to uni and not knowing what I wanted to do and whether it was worth it. So I ended up just <laughs> just going travelling instead. <laughs> so. I think I worked out better in the, in the end. Yeah, why um, not? Yeah, I, I went. What did you get up to while a, you were here? Well, I went out with a program called Boonek, and they uh, it kind of puts you together with a bunch of people who are a similar age group, and they just kind of fly you <laughs> fly you out there together. And uh, I, I was a bit nervous about traveling, so I went with this program, and um, I I just sort of yeah, I went I went off traveling like it flew the nest. My mum was terrified <laughs> of me leaving and um I'd, I'd saved some money up and i just i just went out and uh i didn't, didn't know how long i was going to be there i didn't know what my real plan was so i just i just wanted to experience something different you know and what, what did you get up to and see while you were here are there any so, particular highlights just a little bit of self-promotion for our country right now <laughs> <laughs> well i stayed in beautiful sydney for a long time uh i, I was there for about six months i think before i i moved on um I, I was inside the actual city central for a while, and then I stayed a little bit outside with a bunch of Irishmen. <laughs> would it, <laughs> they would it keep things to... entertaining? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and then I, I moved up to um, up the east coast to uh, Maroochydore. Uh, yep. I did a bit of fruit picking, strawberries. I, oh, yeah, okay. That was yeah, that was kind of exciting. Uh, <laughs> I'd never really eaten or seen so many strawberries in my life. Like, even today, it can I'm, be a bit I'm overwhelming. Hey. Yeah, like if you, if you look up and uh, as far as the eye can see, it's strawberries. It's it's quite eye opening. Uh, went up to Darwin. Uh, it did some beautiful tours of the uh, the uh, national parks up there. 
uh, flew down to uh, Melbourne and stayed some time in Melbourne. Is that is that where your base? That's that's my base. Yes. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, when I was in Melbourne, it was <laughs> maybe what the worst storms I've ever experienced. So, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, landing in Melbourne, the uh, we had to do a second landing because the the plane. I don't think it was going to make the first landing because it was it was that windy, basically. So um, the, the the fear of God sweeps through you at those particular points when the plane doesn't land yeah. first time. <laughs> yeah, so my, my whenever I think back to Melbourne, I think <laughs> I think of that moment. Uh, <laughs> That's perfectly um, perfectly reasonable as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yes, uh, I've been to Adelaide. I, you know, I saw a lot of Australia, and I made some really great friends, and I had a really good time. And then when I came back to the UK, this was right after the um, recession had kicked in, basically, and. Uh, I really struggled to find a to find a job, and I, I ended up doing some like temporary office stuff for a while. Uh, yeah, so yeah, and there was the a game, bit of support work stuff. that you were doing in there for a while as well. Yeah, so right before I decided I wanted to try my luck in the game scene, I ended up working in a care home as a, like a support worker, and this was for uh, young adults with um, like severe autism, uh, lots of different age groups, and they, they were staying in this home, and my my job was to care for them basically, and like, each day would be like uh, assigned to one of the people inside the home um and yeah it was, it was very different from what i'd done before um i, I sort of gone in there with the aim of oh i'm not sure what i want to do so i'm going to try and do this and make a difference someone had recommended it to me and they said that they uh they thought that i'd i'd be good at it so i i gave it a try and uh, i did that for about two years look there's there's um it's a really admirable sort of thing to get into because it is a it's a challenging sort of field. Yes, it's 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 hard to explain because it's it's not just physically draining. It's 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 quite emotional as well. You you come home and you're <laughs> you're just sort of a wreck basically um, because it, it it demands that much of you um, and the turnover at the at the place was quite high for that reason. And most people didn't really stay for more than a couple of years so it was it was sort of a revolving door of people but I, I stuck it out for as long as i could basically um but i wasn't sleeping very well at the job because the the hours just weren't great oh yeah okay in yeah. terms of the um how how it saps you like that's a familiar sort of story to me i mean i'm, I'm a teacher by profession oh, and um yeah you see a, a few people come through they're they're initially wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and they're super enthusiastic about it and then I think the the nature of having to contend with approximately twenty five students multiple hours per day that just saps them bit by bit by bit, and then I think in Australia, and I don't know about it what it is locally for you, but um, the average career span for a teacher here is about five ish years. Wow. Okay. Because yes. it just kind of chews you up and spits you out a little bit for the similar sorts of reasons where. Um, it's not a it's not a physical labor at all, but the the mental exertion exertion that it takes to kind of haul yourself over the line day in day out saps and a few I, people. And I assume you go home, and then you also have work to do when you're home as well. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, there's 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 a bit of that too. It kind of follows you. So yeah, yeah. So you're taking the work home with you. Yeah, I can see how that would get to you. I tried to be a little bit strategic when I when I went went into things. I um so I, I teach at at secondary level. Um, and, uh, I teach maths. So I look over at our English teachers when, when they get a big stack of assessments, I know that they're working on that thing for 
dozens of hours of their own time, whether that's at their desk or at home or whatever. Me, I get a stack of math tests, same number of students. It might, I might be done in about an hour or so because <laughs> the, the nature of the content means it's so, it's so sure. black and white. It's right or it's wrong that I can... Yeah. All, like after a couple tests you've gone through, the answers are firmly entrenched in your head and you can just by rote quickly tick, cross, tick, cross, tick, cross, leave little annotations, whatever, move on. Um, Absolutely, yeah, because you don't have to so interpret anything. That's probably my one lie. big saving grace um, that kind of helps keep the energy levels a bit higher is that I actually have just by nature of the the content that I teach, I have uh, easier marking to do. Right. <laughs> but the stresses but the stresses within the within hours are just the same. Sure. Um yeah. so yeah, obviously you you jumped into that at the time. The the recession was in full swing in that sort of uh period at the time. Um but you spoke about how it was before you ultimately jumped into the gaming industry. So how did how did you make that segue from what you were doing in this in this support work space through to um the gaming business? Yeah, it's, it sounds like a weird jump, I guess, <laughs> I guess right? Um, it kind of was. Um, I, I kind of... Um, I, I was working full-time at the support, uh, the support home, and I decided one day that I just I wanted to try and look for something else, so I changed to a sort of temporary role. So I come in a few days a week instead of every day, and um, in that time I started looking for something else. I'd, uh, I'd recently been attacked by one of the, uh, the people in my home, and... I still got the scar from it, actually. But oh, they, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've unfortunately been bitten, which is quite traumatic. Um, and not, not you know, not too bad, but you drew blood. And, you know, if you, if you get bitten, you have to go to the hospital and they have to give you, like, tetanus stuff. Tetanus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I always kind of told myself that, oh, well, it's kind of... So do you think you can just apply for one thing and get it and then you'll be in the games industry? But I, I didn't really like that negative negativity. I was being a bit too hard on myself. So I, I, I made a website. I um, I put a bunch of uh, hobby work that I'd been doing on the side sort of onto it. Um, I'd actually been doing a, a little bit of sprite work for fun. So I, I had something to work with. Um, and it was it was just very strange timing. I, I saw, I saw um, a... Uh, blog post on the the Starbound uh, website saying that uh, yep. Chucklefish was opening an office in London and they were working on a new game, a, new, a pirate game, and they were looking for uh, pixel artists to um, to join up and uh, work on it. And I, I was like, oh crap, <laughs> uh, this is great! I'm looking for match made in heaven and, uh, sort of thing. Yeah, I, I sent an email and it, it was. I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was something along the lines of, I would love to make a pirate game. Um, here's my website. I like website. pirates. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I got a reply almost within an hour saying, um, okay, great. Uh, can you join this, uh, this Skype chat? And, uh, ended up talking with Finn Bryce. Uh, he's Tayuri. He's the CEO of Chucklefish. And it was, it was mostly through text at the time. Um, and he, yeah, he, he wanted me to come in for an interview. Um, there was a little bit of talking beforehand, and uh, I, uh, I I might have nudged him a few time, <laughs> times. Um, but oh, yeah, um, okay. it might, I was a little bit persistent, let's say that. Um, it's not the worst quality to have, though. <laughs> well, it always, it always shows that you're interested. Yeah, thankfully I didn't 
you know, push it too hard to the point where it was irritating. But I, I got my foot in the door that way, basically. I, I showed up to the uh, the building and uh, it was, when when they said they were starting an office, they really meant it because I, I got to the door and there was no sign on the door. I, I knocked on the door and uh, someone opened it and it was an empty room, basically. Oh, okay. I wasn't. Sure. I was. I was curious to see where that was going. There, you're saying, you know, they're, they're building an office. And you're getting to the front door, and it's still got those signs that say all appropriate headwear must be worn, and blah 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 blah. <laughs> it's, it's still a construction site in many ways. Well, well, thankfully they weren't constructing it, but, but, um, but yeah, there was a couple of tables and uh, you know a lot, a lot of uh, furniture that hadn't been assembled, and uh, it's two people, um, Don Olaski and uh, Finn Bryce, and my interview was with them basically, and. Uh, it, it started kind of formal. Um, they were asking why I wanted to get into games and sort of what I'd done before, which obviously wasn't too much. Um, and we just seemed to get on really well. Like it, it started formal and then became very informal. And I think I ended up spending about three and a half hours <laughs> there. Usually, you know, at that point that you're, you're on the right track with them when, well, you've, was, when, those, yeah. when those interviews start to balloon out into just very casual conversations. Well, I, I got very self-conscious. I, I, I was thinking, oh, God, I, I just realized how long I've been here. Have I overstayed my welcome? Are they just being really polite? <laughs> and, and I they, don't, to leave. they don't know how to tell me to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I felt a bit like that. And, um, well, I I'd actually, while doing the interview, I'm doing air quotes here, I uh, had uh, yep. started, like, assembling some of the furniture. <laughs> I, I oh. ended up helping them build a TV cabinet. And I think that might have, that might have cinched it a little bit because they thought, hmm, he's useful. <laughs> Look, that's, it's, a, it's a way to get into the business is uh, just endear yourself to them so much they can't help but be uh, bring you on board. So very nicely done. Yeah, I ended up talking to them and they, uh, they, seemed, um, they seemed like nice people. And I, I felt, felt like I'd cinched it. You know, I'd, I'd done quite well at the interview. It was a bit later where I started niggling, thinking, oh, maybe I'd overstayed my welcome. Um, and it was a few days before I heard anything from them. I actually, I'd actually messaged on Skype again, pushing my luck a little bit. <laughs> um, and they, uh, they, they wanted me to do an art test. And so I, I ended up doing like a animated a pirate doing a walk cycle. So I sent that in and they seemed to like it. And that's kind, they didn't, say I really had it straight away like I had to come into the office and do do the art test and then I think at the end of the day they basically told me that they, they were going to take me on and I was bloody ecstatic <laughs> I wouldn't have ruled out the possibility they just were asking for you to move a bit more furniture <laughs> look we've <laughs> got these possible. desks and stuff that we need to set up as well we'll hire you if you're able to get these done for us nice and quick <laughs> absolutely <laughs> well yeah, it was it was there was a, sort of the skeleton crew for for a while because they'd um, they had uh, they had all these these team members across the world and they hadn't really brought them to London yet. So I, I was in the office before most of them, to be honest. That's kind of handy. So yeah. was um, through this time in Australia and through this time where you're doing your support work was the was getting into games still this itch that was just kind of nagging at you and something that you just somehow you wanted to find a way or were you starting to think about maybe chasing other dreams or other professions or those sorts of things along the way um during when i was in australia it was it was very much sort of i was kind of treating it a bit like a holiday <laughs> i guess so that's fair I, enough I, I kind of put the i kind of put it to the back of my mind sort of apart from the fruit picking I, i'd had a bunch of savings so I, I was mostly just sort of 
doing activities and uh, hanging out with people, not necessarily thinking, oh God, what am I going to do when I get home? That was, I think that was partly why I've gone to Australia, to get as far away from England as possible. <laughs> I mean, geographically. Yeah, geographically. You can't get that much further away. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mentioned earlier that I had some sort of side stuff that I had been doing for fun, and uh, I forgot that I hadn't even mentioned it. I, I, I'd i um, been doing some uh, artwork for Space Station 13 back in the day, uh, and it, it was this little game on the Beyond engine, uh, which is like a free platform like for RPGs. And yep. it's, yeah, it's, um, and Space Station 13 at, at the time was very, well, it was very hobbled together. <laughs> I mean, it still is a little bit, but it was very Making hobbled together. Me. Yeah, and I, I was just sort of um, contributing to that for fun, basically. So I, I was sort of, I tasked myself with respriting all of the uh, art in the game because it, it didn't really have any art. It had like, sort of coder art is what we call it, where it's sort of temporary graphics drawn by a, a coder who doesn't necessarily call themselves an artist. So, so I've taken it on myself to do that. And um, I was still doing that even when I was in Australia. I, I just doing little pieces here and there and sort of sending it in. And um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was very easy with, uh, with those sort of uh, graphics to just make something in like 10 minutes and then sort of shit it off and then it's in the game like that's when it's like that easy it's great because you can just be as creative as possible yeah that that makes a lot of sense there's no real limits to what you can and can't do it's it's kind of quick and easy yeah that, it, it was like 32 by 32 pixels so you're not working with a lot yeah understood so as we've just kind of been leading up to so you ultimately got um, a job there at Chucklefish and the first game you were working on was like you said a pirate game Wayward Tide is that correct that's the name, yeah. We took a, it took us a very long time to come up with that name. And then the game didn't end up releasing you, am I right? Yes, that's true. It was disappointing. <laughs> and and because... that was basically because everything started to migrate over to Starbound? Yes. So at the time, I mean, this, this is my lack of research. I, when I applied for Chucklefish, mostly out of excitement, I figured that Starbound had sort of come out. I didn't realise it was still in early access when I, when I applied. And uh, I was a bit oblivious, I guess. So I, I joined, uh, and I was I was on the pirate game project, and um, sort of there were a few people on Starbound, and then it sort of became quite obvious a couple of months in that we needed everyone, all hands on deck, basically to get to get Starbound finished. Um, and so we decided to put Wayward Tide on the back burner and, and sort of finish Starbound. Um, and there it's kind of remained for the years since. Yeah, I, I sort of... It would be nice to go back to it. I I got um, a Secret Santa gift from one of the uh, my co-workers, Rosie. And she, she'd knitted some of the characters from when we were tied. Just knitted? Like cross, cross-stitched into like an art. Oh, yeah, okay. So I have that on my desk still. So, <laughs> so I, it's the game that never was on my desk. It's a nice little reminder for you. Yeah. Is there a... <laughs> is there a um, a little again we're kind of going back to this itch that needs scratching is there is there still that pull to return to that from you or others within the studio i think because it was still so early in development like it could, it could have gone in any direction really it was quite experimental still so we're, we're still sort of playing with ideas i wouldn't even describe it really as sort of as a as a game when we sort of put it down so i think we could do something similar to it but it probably wouldn't be wouldn't be the same. That makes sense. Yeah. 
Uh, and then, so obviously, Starbound came out um, or exited early access. Um, but what did, what did your work through that period when it became all hands on deck, what did that kind of entail? So the first thing that I made was one of the races sort of starships. So I, I made the Nova Kid starship, which is sort of like a giant space train. And uh, I, I got, you know, on Starbound, I got to do a little bit of everything, which was really nice. I got, you know, I got to do large assets and a lot of environment art, animation, basically anything that needed doing that day. You know, you could just sort of jump in and you'd be doing something different. Uh, I was even doing some of the configuration work and some of the dungeon design, some of the micro dungeons. And so it was it was a little bit of everything, basically. Oh, nice. Um, and then things, so when did things begin to transition over to, I guess, the most recent release chucklefish wise uh in wargroove right so starbound came out in 2016 i'm struggling to think what month it was at this point uh it might have been july maybe okay. I'll, I'll, I'll fact check in the in the background there right um, for okay. you. but it was it wasn't long after uh starbound came out that we um the I think Finn had this idea like to let everyone in the company pitch something, um, which was really exciting. Um, so everyone got to sort of make their own little design pitch for a, for a game we could make, which uh, oh, yeah, okay. was, really fu- was really fun, actually, to see everyone's ideas. Uh, and so two of the pitches that came out of that was um, sort of what became Wargroove, which was sort of like a modern take on Advance Wars with a sort of different sort of setting, obviously. Um, and sort of the big, the big pitch for that was let's make this game that we want to play, but no one's making. Um, and sort of bring it into the modern day, like have like an editor and online and crossplay if we can do it. Um, and the other idea was this magic school game, which ended up turning into Witchbrook. Which is still a work in progress at this point. Yeah, yeah, still working and on also, it. And um, also, also did just fact check July 2016 for yeah, uh, Starbucks so right. final release. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, very nicely done. Um, so, what what is that? Uh, and you also juggled Kingdom Two Crowns along the way, right? So yeah, that's something that I um, I've been sort of doing outside of office hours. Um, so I I, I uh, got asked through a friend of a friend if. Um, I'd be interested in working on a like, sequel. I think it's a sequel. I guess it would describe it as a sequel, like sequel to Kingdom. And I, I, I'd actually played it a bunch and really enjoyed it. So I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, jump at the um, opportunity then. It was supposed to be a very short-term thing because initially they only wanted to do like a upgrade to the visuals. Like, can you make this sort of, you know, plus one, you know, like keep it Kingdom with that kind of classic kind of look push it um so i i initially thought it was only going to be a few months but i ended up spending about eight months on it because we um we had some uh real creative freedom which is amazing um we there was an initial idea to do sort of different visuals for each island um and i, I was sort of told to go away and come up with some ideas and so i come back with this Google Slides document of uh, like, what if Kingdom was in Japan? Or what if Kingdom was in the desert? And all this kind of stuff. And That's that's of... a real creative freedom there. Yes. So I had I had all these like images and sort of 
the one that sort of jumped out to people the most was sort of this bamboo, these pictures of ba- these bamboo forests that I've sort of like referenced. And um, it sort of expanded from let's make this island into let's make this a whole new theme. So it was initially just going to be like you go to the island and it'd be like bamboo trees and it had like a unique look to it. But th- it ultimately became a whole theme uh, set in feudal Japan. So all the buildings were themed and all the uh, units were redrawn. It has custom um, little uh, mounts that you can ride. Like a lot of additional work ended up going into it, which is why it took so long. Yeah, so I mean, how's that on you, given that you are ultimately working a a full-time role there at Chucklefish and then suddenly you're juggling Kingdom as well on the side? What what, what did uh, the day-to-day look like as a result? What sort of hours did you find yourself doing and... And Dario, I'm not leading into any, any pointed questions about crunch or any of that sort of stuff for extra no, no, no. hours. We're not kind of going that way because obviously it was something you were really passionate about doing. But, well, I, um, I, I initially, because um, I thought it was only going to be three months of work, I was like, yeah. okay, it's, it's pretty solid, I can do this. Um, and after like six or seven, <laughs> seven months, I, I realized that I'd spent almost every weekend inside working on it. I was doing like 50-hour weeks, basically. Um, oh, okay. And not um, not really getting to enjoy myself. It, it, it started to feel like I was burning out a little bit. So I, I did end up taking a little break from it, but I'm, I'm back on it again now, which is cool. <laughs> Good to hear. Yeah. So I'm curious because so the guests that we've had in the past, so I've had a lot of uh, lead designers and uh a lot of people have come from a tech, more of a technical side. I think you might be the first, uh, and I suppose I've had, also had some other developers who have uh, begun in the art sort of field, but have maybe because the, the indie team they're working on is so small that they've basically had to expand their skill set and mo- main, mainly begin to focus on the other components. But your day-to-day is the the artistry and the animation. Um what, is, what does that kind of look like throughout the course of a, of a larger project? Because I'd imagine there's, I guess there's different points where um, where more uh, the focus is more on the art that you're creating, then you're transitioning over to some animation. There'd be periods, I presume, maybe even towards the back end of a project where you're not necessarily creating too many um, new assets. What, what, is the, what does the cycle kind of look like for you as you're moving through a project? So on something like Wargroove, it sort of it would change through development. I think I think at the beginning of development, it was because it, it was a very small team working on it for the first year. I think um, sort of I, ca- I came onto it a little bit later. Um, we we it depends on what we what we're focus is. So day to day, we use we use Trello, sort of a card based management system. Uh, we assign ourselves to the cards. We put we sort of put them in columns of. I'm working on this. This is in progress. So I finished this task. Um, this, it's not really okay. You do this, and then we need to do like the animation this week. It's it's more um, fluid, I guess. So um, I'm working on. Um, say if say if I was working on a commander, it, it because Wargrave is quite art heavy in terms of assets. Um, they need a they need a battle sprite and they need like a map sprite. Um, but they don't really need that to function. So initially, we just do like stills, um, and then we sort of, as long as it's not blocking someone, then we can work on the animation. 
Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, so yeah, you can kind of work in parallel in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, and Chucklefish itself is, isn't like crazy huge. We're only like 17 people. I mean, we were 16 for a little bit as well, up until recently. We just hired uh, a very talented artist uh, to help us with Witchbrook. Um, so oh, okay. it's, it's, very, it's very sort of, you know, Wargroove is, is, is a small team. Um, and so it's, it's quite easy to have that structure and be like, oh, I'm working on this today. Okay, well, I'm, I'm doing this. Um, yeah. So in terms of, in terms of those projects, has there been one, whether it's, whether it even begins Wayward Tide, Starbound, Wargroove, Witchbrook, Kingdom Two Crowns, is there one that, uh, has really kind of resonated with you along the way that, that, that's that one big project that's the one you very happily, well, more than any other, that's the one you kind of showcase as your best work? Oh, um, in, uh, in ter- and specific, specifically focusing, of course, on your art and your animation, animation versus the the game proper. Uh, well, I feel like with Wargroove, my art massively improved just because of the demands of the project. Um, but I'll always have like the soft spot for Starbound, just because, just because it's, it's it was my first ever commercial title, and we really <laughs> worked so hard to get that game to one I was only on it for two years, but there there are a few people on that team that have been there on that project for about four, almost five years, uh, and it, it was it felt like a huge achievement. And so I'll always think back to to that that finally coming out. I think I actually got a little bit teary eyed when I saw like the uh, sort of launch 1.0 trailer. Although I never admit it to anyone at the office. Uh, <laughs> um, so you're not gonna you're not gonna tell them now that you're on this show because otherwise you've, uh, you've added yourself. <laughs> Crap. Okay, well, just edit that piece out. And... I'll make sure <laughs> to tag Chucklefish, and I'll track down everyone and pop you all in the uh, pop them all in a comment on Twitter and check out okay. Minute X when the when the reference comes to the tears. Yes, timestamp it absolutely. No, but I, I also I completely understand that though. I mean, it's something you've um, put a ton of work into. It's a massive creative endeavor, and when you finally get it out the door, I don't think that's an unusual reaction whatsoever. Mm, but. I think I think my art. I won't lie. Cycling back to my teaching thing. I mean, the first time I had a group of um, Year Twelves in their final year of school get through, and the results came through, and like uh, it was kind of you could see a few T's and a few I's, and then all of a sudden a few are starting to well up in yours, and all of a sudden it's just a mess for everyone. So <laughs> oh. it's it's like you get invested in things, and I don't think that's a, an unusual reaction whatsoever. Yeah, I I think you know it's it's basically. It's basically two years of my life, basically. And, uh, that's kind of how I look at a lot of these games. Like, I'm going to be working on this. I'm going to be looking at this every day for, for a, the next couple of years sort of thing. Yeah, so, I, I think that's a perfectly normal reaction Yeah, so, to have, so, whether we so want I, to admit it or not. Yeah, <laughs> when it finally comes out, it's this huge, you know, this huge sort of achievement and relief. And then it's, it's almost straight on to the next thing, you know, <laughs> you know. So that that gap from project to project is very small, then. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Um, I, I think because we kind of had two projects going at the same time, it was just it was just natural for that to happen, I guess. Uh, I was oh, I mean, you on... just transition or segue across. Yeah, I, I was on Witchbrook for a year and a half before um, jumping onto uh, Wargroove. So it okay, like, it was like a, okay, we're going to try and get Wargroove finished. Um, you guys happy to sort of jump onto Wargroove and help out with that? And I think everyone was like, "Oh yes." 
So you were talking about the development of your skills along the way. How, how in the, the art and animation field, how, how does one um, kind of, ref- what, what does that process look like for you to refine your skills and develop and improve? What, what sort of steps do you go through to kind of help develop your own ability in that space? So when I first started Chucklefish, I was using Photoshop to do all my pixel art. Um, and I was using a mouse to do all my art. And since then, I've moved on to using uh, Aceprite, which is designed for pixel art and animation. And so my, so my sort of my tool use and my, my art flow is definitely massively improved. But just working on, you know, pixel art and animation every day for, you know, the last five years, you know, practice makes perfect, you know. So just naturally got better at it as, you know, things have been demanded. Um, but we started, you know, we started uh, really looking into things like doing life drawing lessons. Like we started doing that chocolatefish now. So like once every couple of weeks after work, we'll, we'll do some life drawing. And that really improves your art, just being able to sort of get some charcoal out and draw a life model. Um, it's a really good way of improving your, your art skills, basically. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I was, I was, it was one of those things I was very interested in because um, I personally have never been the most artistically uh, adept. Um, and I'd, I'd look at, through my school years in particular, I'd look at some friends and what they were doing, whether that was whether that was kind of pixel-based or, um, or otherwise. Uh, and I'd listen to what my, my various teachers in my various art subjects would have to say about how people can kind of develop what they're doing. And it just never seemed to quite click with me um i never seemed to quite be able to get my head around how how that improvement was i had this very i think fixed mindset that was you can or you can't um and i I very quickly and perhaps wrongly even i don't know uh what could have been i guess um lumped myself in the the can't territory or the can't (laughs) group um so i was i was always very interested to to know how how you can kind of develop and improve and because i always thought it was just a this is this is what you can do, and that's it. Which was I, yeah. obviously very stupid of me, but um, but yeah, it, was, it kind of meant it was a good opportunity to find out how within the games business, uh, within the artistry and animation, whether it's sprites or otherwise, how one kind of improves themselves there. So that was really insightful. Thank you for that. Oh no worries. And and on that note, you know, um, I've started very recently looking into learning three D modeling, uh, which is oh, okay. completely completely out of my comfort zone. And it's sort of going back to what you said, where I I initially tried to pick this up during college as part of my multimedia course. You know, 3D was one of those things. And I really struggled with it, like massively. And it was a bit of a shock because I just figured I'd be able to jump into it and figure it out. And I couldn't even, <laughs> I couldn't make anything in it. And I figured, well, I guess 3D is not for me. And, you know, like recently, this year, I'm really trying to improve my skills Um because I do think it would be nice for me to have the choice going forward of making something 2D or 3D. I think that will really help me in the future. Um, so I really want to sort of learn this skill. And, and looking at things like YouTube, you know, there's so much resources out there now for learning something that just weren't really there when I was doing it. And I've picked it up really quickly just from watching other people, following tutorials. And I think you absolutely can learn. 
a new skill. It's just whether you have the time <laughs> to do it and the patience, because I very nearly... Yeah, I was going to say that the patience might be the, one of the more challenging things, I think, in some cases. Yes, yeah. It's I'm very slow in it right now. It takes me a very long time to make anything, but I'm, I'm starting to enjoy it now. Yeah, but I, I, I and you're just talking about how you're beginning to enjoy it. I think once you once you get into that swing of things and you get over that hump, that that hurdle, whatever that hurdle happens to be for an individual to overcome, once once you're through that, I guess all of a sudden you probably develop much quicker, and um, the time it takes for you to create something less and less and less bit by bit, without yeah. diminishing the quality at the same time. I hope so. I well, I've been very rigid in terms of tutorials I've been following, and it's a bit like cooking a meal, following following the recipe to the, to the letter. I'm, I'm not quite comfortable sort of jumping in and making my own thing from scratch yet, but I, I hope to get to that point soon. I'm sure it's not too far away. I hope so. <laughs> Without uh, spilling the beans too much, do you see any opportunities going forward uh, to actually implement that in what you're doing? Because obviously at the moment everything is very sprite-based. Um, hmm. Do you foresee well, any opportunities in the near future that would allow you to, to, enact, uh, sorry, to act on that? Well, Chucklefish has historically got a very certain type of <laughs> certain type of game in mind, in terms of like what they want to make and the kind of games that they think people would enjoy, and the games that they publish. I mean, it's, a lot of it seems to be two D pixel art, um, beautiful pixel art, of course. Um, and I know I feel like in terms of the audience, in terms of what people who play games feel is they think 3d just is sort of higher quality than than pixel art i think there's this uh a notion a little bit that pixel art is sort of played out a lesser yeah and less and lesser and that comes across in how we price our games and stuff like that like we're, we're not charging sort of as much as i think we would charge if it was a fully 3d game just because there is that notion out there and i I'm not, I'm not hinting anything, but I, I do feel it's not impossible in the next, you know, five, ten years, Chucklefish will make a 3D game. Um, so I, I don't want to pigeonhole myself into 2D, um, and I want, I want to have, give them that option, you know, going forward. No, I, I think it's great anyway. Like constantly developing yourself professionally is can only be a good thing, really, and so yeah. well in the future. Well, I've never met an artist that. <laughs> is happy with their art <laughs> they're always very humble about it yeah i, I can imagine yes it's, it's always a struggle it's always like i must get better must get better even people that i i'm, I'm absolutely amazed by like a huge inspiration like they'll come back and be like oh my art's not so good and i'll be like oh my god <laughs> it's, they all have it and who are some of those folk that you kind of look up to are there any particular inspiration uh, uh, people of inspiration who I look up to most is probably uh, Lou Nascimento. She's a um, Brazilian pixel artist, and I used to work with her at Chucklefish. She she um, set the the art style for Wargroove. She's oh, okay. an amazingly talented artist, um, and yeah, she's a great friend. And, and you were really familiar with her work um, before you actually got to work together, or was it something you kind of came to appreciate once you started working alongside her? Yeah, I, I came to appreciate her um, work when she when she joined. I wasn't too familiar with her before, but she's she's big on Twitter. She has she has a lot of followers, and um, she's probably one of the best pixel artists I've ever met. So I definitely learned a lot from her as well. 
Is there anyone that's external to Chucklefish that you've maybe not had the opportunity to work alongside yet that you'd, you'd jump at the opportunity to pick their brain or learn a bit from them or, or whatever? Um, well, I've, I've been obviously looking a lot at references to 3D right now. And, you know, I've seen some great stuff out there that I... <laughs> I it's a bit like, oh, my God, I wish they'd just done a tutorial on how they do this so I can learn from it. <laughs> so I can do that too. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit like that. But I'm, no one's really coming to mind. It's, it's a lot of, like, I come across images on Google, image search. And, well, a lot of it comes up as Pinterest now. Oh, yes, of course. And then from <laughs> there, you can kind of backtrack, work out who the person is and, you can try and explore it. their works further. Pinterest is a minefield. <laughs> yeah, understood. Um, so as we begin to wind things down a little bit, have there been any particularly valuable lessons you've picked up along the way that have really resonated with you through your games development journey so far? Lessons? Hmm. Or just, yeah, any, anything that's really kind of uh, that penny drop sort of moment, like, oh, this, is, this has been a valuable experience that I've picked up along the way here. I guess... Hmm. I've changed my outlook a lot on terms of how I see games just from sort of making them. <laughs> I think. Oh, is it so? Just the the perspective you have as a consumer versus what you have now that you're actually immersing yeah. yourself in it. Yes, absolutely. I I feel like I would have been one of those people that would see something on Twitter and sort of get caught up in the drama and be like, "Oh, the out you know ruin our days." But like, it's it doesn't work like that. Like things happen. And they're not necessarily in your control. And I, I think everyone in the industry is really working their ass off. Because it is <laughs> it's so hard to make a video game. Like it, It's like the stars have to align in a way. Yeah, I mean, uh, the one I think I think about most, obviously, um, these days, if you if you jump on Twitter and someone's going to be ranting about a game or game developer or game publisher, it's chances are it's going to be EA-related these days. And yeah. whilst I'm not in the, in the development scene whatsoever... Um, I think I've I've done enough of this over the years, whether it's whether it's interviews with developers, whether it's reviews that I've done, or just just consumed um, trailers or content or uh, developer diaries or whatever. Little plug for the show there, um, and kind of learnt that it, it, there's far too many um, people involved in this thing, personally invested in this thing, for it to be. Uh, all this bad practice that people are talking about and all these selfish decisions because there's just too many people that would shoot that down. I think like the commentary you hear about, you know, microtransactions, for example, with EA or whatever the case may be, it's this, like, yes, maybe maybe there was some poor decisions made, but it's never with bad intent. Well, the, the one that I think back to is um, when Steam wanting to give modders the ability to charge for mods and sort of get an income from it and you know oh, the, yes. the, the backlash to that was <laughs> it was incredible. kind of immense if i recall yeah and they even sent gabe newell out to reddit to sort of calm them down and reddit turned on gabe newell which is almost unheard <laughs> unheard of um yeah but were they were they really turning on him for that or were they turning on him because they still don't have half-life 3 yet well i don't, I don't know what they're doing <laughs> maybe about. maybe a little column a and a little column b i would love a half-life 3 but i've sort of given up at this point <laughs> Yeah, I think um, if, it, if it happens, we'll be grateful, and if it doesn't, well, yes. we'll live with it for long enough. Yes, but as, as, from a developer point of view, like modders being able to support themselves from making content in your game sounded amazing. Like, oh wow, and we can actually we can actually work with these modders and maybe like um, sort of work on some collaborations with them and that sort of thing. And so we're looking at it from a completely different perspective. Um, but sort of 
from what comments I'd seen on the on the internet, it was like, well, mods are going to be charged for now, and like, it's another thing that we're going to be nickel and dimed for. And like, obviously, obviously, a big part of that was they they use uh, Skyrim, which obviously had a huge sort of modding massive theme, mod base at the time. And yeah, they'd always been free, and so it felt like you're taking this away from me. Whereas if they'd done it with a new game uh, and just been like, here is this from the get go, this is how we're doing it. It probably wouldn't have exploded in the way it did. Um, yeah, that, I, that makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, there's there's yeah. some incredibly talented people in the business that have gotten into games because of the work they did on mods. I mean, one of my first yeah. interviews, and you'll know about this because you were clicking through the episode beforehand, um, uh, Tim Willits. Like, he got mm-hmm. into uh, working with id and Doom because he was making Doom mods. Yeah. Uh, and there's plenty of other examples out there that, it's it's the modding scene that helped them get in the door. They got a chance to demonstrate their work and they found a way in. These days, I mean, and without without a system like that in place, you it's it's harder to sustain that sort of thing because you've got to you've got to get the income coming in somehow and it means you're working some other full-time job, you're doing it on the side, it becomes very tricky. So being able to reward people a little bit even if it's not much, be, being able to reward people a little bit for the hard work they're putting in is hardly a bad thing. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that. I, I think you know a lot. A lot of the modders of yesterday are now indie developers in their own right. I mean, I, I used to um, play Natural Selection, like an amazing Half Life mod, back in the day, and that you know now they're um, Unknown Worlds Entertainment. And they they made Natural Selection two, their first commercial title, and then they ended up making Subnautica, which is bloody huge. Like it's done really well and fantastic. Yeah, um, popping and... up everywhere. One of my one of my friends from my work that doesn't really immerse himself in games all that often uh, came wandering up to me last year. He goes, have you played Subnautica yet? This is incredible. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And, just, and even yeah. at that point, I I didn't know all that much about the game at the time. I'd heard about it and I understood what the concept was, but I didn't know much more than that. And he chomped yeah. my ear off for about half an hour because I'm the game guy at work and and he found, he'd come across this game that blew his mind and he just wanted to talk for hours. And I eventually yeah. had to tell him to shut up and go do his job. But... Um, <laughs> But it's it's kind of crazy, yeah. Like you you form these little projects, you form these teams, and it just you start capturing hearts and minds everywhere. Yeah, I think it's it's a great time to be in gaming because you know with all these free engines, you can just um, you know there's not so much of a barrier as there was. I mean, even even the natural selection guys when they made natural selection two, you know there weren't free engines out there. They ended up trying to make their own engine, um, and well. Initially, people might not know this, but they did try initially to make it in source <laughs> before moving oh, really? to an engine. Yes, yeah. Um, but natural selection has a lot of um, sort of a lot of lighting in terms of how it works for gameplay, and I, I think they struggled with source to get that correct. Um, I think they just figured that Half Life to source it would behave in a similar way, but you know they couldn't get couldn't get it to work the way they wanted, so they did their own engine. And hell, that's amazing in its own right. Well, yeah, that's a that's a no small feat. Absolutely. Um, so, have there been like some particular challenges over the way, some massive hurdles that you feel like you've had to overcome? Have there been any really tricky things that have been hard for you, especially hard for you through this business? Hmm. Whether, it's, um, whether it's doing some of those extra hours that you were talking about <laughs> before, like the the fifty hour weeks or whatever it may be, what have been some of those harder things for you to overcome? Um, I say I say the primary one, or when I first when I first joined the company, I had massive imposter syndrome. 
I, I just felt oh, like it's okay. Yeah, I just felt like they they're gonna show up one day and be like, "Listen, we made a terrible mistake." <laughs> Sorry, we just realized you're a fraud. Yeah, that sort of thing. Like yeah, I definitely felt like that, and uh, you know, even a little bit today, like the people we're hiring now are amazing. They're so talented, and it's a great opportunity to sort of learn from them a little bit. But also, I'm like, oh my god, I wish I was this good, sort of thing. So the imposter syndrome sneaks in a little bit every now and again. But it, I've talked to artists in general in the, in the industry, and it seems to be a normal thing. So I'm not too, <laughs> not too worried about it. But I guess the nature of what you're doing there is, as you said, it's something you, always, you can always learn and develop in. And so new people that come in provide their own new, unique skill sets, and everyone can kind of share their ideas. So it's not necessarily the worst quality to have in a constructive way. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm really excited to, to learn some new stuff from these people that like, we're, we're working with now. Like it might be tricky to grapple with at times in terms of in your own head, but, mm. Um, mm. but yeah, at the same I'm, time, there's there's perks to it as well. Yeah, I, I think that is a part of it, sort of being in your own head too much, just trying to relax <laughs> and get on with it. Luckily, I find pixel art really relaxing, you know. I, it's oh, good. A little, it's a little bit like a puzzle for me, like, because you're moving like little squares around and trying to, you know, one pixel difference can make something look really bad. <laughs> so you're sort of moving it around, trying to get it into place and uh, got some music going in your headphones and it's, it's all good. Oh, good to hear. Now, I think I know the, the answer to the next one, given what we spoke about before, but have there been any particular highlights, some moments that have really, the, the sort, the, I'll never forget that sort of moment. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Stubbound Launch was huge thing for me um, i figured that was going to come up uh going to the first my first ever gdc um so we, we company all went out as a as a team to uh the game developer conference in san francisco and uh i had an amazing time and i got to meet a whole bunch of game developers from all over the world that's always going to be a huge highlight for me and i go every year now like sometimes uh, i'll go out my own pocket just to fly out there and see people um Wargroove Launch, um, that was our first um, game that wasn't just on PC. Like Wargroove ended up coming out on almost everything. Still coming out on PlayStation at some point soon. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of milestones. And, uh, it's It's been really exciting. and It's kind of hard to believe it's been five years. Yeah, it can go by pretty quickly, hey? <laughs> yeah, depends on the day. Um, oh yeah, I suppose yeah. There's there's the ups and downs, and I guess some busier <laughs> periods and quieter periods, and it ebbs and flows. Yeah. So, what do you see the future holding for you? Now, obviously, we've kind of um, lent into that a little bit when we were talking about some of the 3D stuff that you've been learning. But uh, where do you see things kind of going for you from here? Well, I'm quite excited to work on Witchbrook. I, I think that'll that'll be a very fun project to work on. Um, and obviously, I, I said before, you know, I'm trying to learn some new skills. I'd love to expand into 3D if I can. I don't know how long it'll take, but it's something I would definitely want to get into. I hope to continue working on some fun side projects because I, you know, I'm, you know, when you're working on these games and it's like, okay, this game is it's like a two, three year project and you're releasing one game every three years. It is nice to just be like, oh, I'm just going to do a little bit here, a little bit here on this project and kind of, you're not just, just putting one game out. Just keep creatively stimulated. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, I put one game out every three or four years. 
<laughs> it's like, oh, I'm, I'm actually involved more. And that's what I definitely want to, I definitely want to encourage that. No, I, I think that's a perfectly normal thing, really. Yeah, I mean, um, you find the time. You don't want to do, <laughs> you don't want to get burnt out. Yeah, of course. Uh, now, I have to ask because my wife would be furious with me if I didn't ask this. Okay. And I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know... Um, I don't know how uh, what sort of answer you'll be able to give me here, but Witchbrook, mm-hmm. how far away is it? Okay, so Witchbrook do we, is... Do we, ha- do we have an ETA in mind so that you're no allowed e- to disclose at all? There's no ETA, and it's not me being coy. It's <laughs> it's, it's very early on. Uh, we're still trying to find our place with the game. Um, we're still experimenting with some ideas. and Because it's not really something that exists, it's, it's quite like, you know... We're trying to find what works best. So it's st- still early in development. And I think once we once we feel quite confident in, in the systems and sort of how we feel you want to experience that kind of game, we'll probably talk about it a little bit more. But it's, it's quite early still. I It's not going to come out this year. It's not going to come out next year, I don't think. Um, I'll, I'll give her the early. when it's ready comment and, when she it's can ready. Slap, and she can slap me into oblivion, but that's all right. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I should have just said when it's done. <laughs> um, and I'm sure she'll be stoked. But that's, she, she's very much looking forward to it. She loves the the look of what... Obviously, there's not a huge amount that's uh, publicly available yet, but she loves the look of what's there. And um, I think it speaks very deeply to her love of Harry Potter as well. So oh, yeah. um, I, mean, I think I mean, she's, the, she's connecting those threads. I mean, when I said um, earlier that it was one of the games that was that was pitched, um, it, was, it was pitched by uh, Rosie Ball and Abby Cook, and they, they pitched it on their love of... Uh, the Harry Potter books and uh, how they'd always wanted to play this sort of Harry Potter game in their head, but every time they they go to play a Harry Potter game, it just doesn't deliver what they want. So it was very much let's make this game that no one is making. I um, mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, she her enthusiasm for it certainly uh, rubbed off on me a little because I was a little bit. Um, uh, my previous workplace. Uh, we had a few Harry Potter diehards there, and oh, yeah. it was—I I felt like it was being forced down my throat every moment of every day, and I started <laughs> to sour a little bit on the franchise for a while there. Um, but I left. Uh, I didn't suddenly get bombarded with it every day, and the the love is starting to kind of um, come back for that franchise a little bit. And then, then the announcement for the game came uh, for Witchbrook came along, and. Uh, seeing my wife's enthusiasm for it's really, really rubbing off on me as well. So there's a collective enthusiasm in this household for for the work that you guys are doing on that. So oh. I'm glad to hear that. Obviously, it's still a little way away, but that everything seems to be tracking all right, and there's there's a lot of energy and excitement behind it. Yeah, it's, there's definitely a lot of excitement and energy for it uh, in the office, and the, the response just from what we have shown, which isn't a lot, is really promising as well. People really seem to be excited about it. Um, and I think we might have tapped into something special here, which is really cool. That's that's definitely the opinion in this household. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, uh, last proper question before we do any the the, the social bits and pieces. Um, what is the is there a dream game that you wish that you could have been credited for? So any any game throughout your entire uh, life, not not just contained to your development journey. Um, is there a game that you wish that you you know you get to the end of that game, the credits start to roll, and your name is in there? Wow, that's a good question. You know, I, <laughs> I think 
Hmm. For, some, be... for some, it just becomes their favorite game, whatever that is. They usually go, oh, st- stick me in that. But um... I would have loved to um, have worked on sort of a Monkey Island series. Like, that's definitely the thing that resonated with me the most. Um, just even uh, meeting Tim Schafer would be probably <laughs> a big problem for me. I don't think I'd be able to speak. <laughs> so still a still a bucket list item, that one? Yeah, I mean, I saw him at GDC from across the room, but I didn't have the nerve to say anything, you know. Yeah, he came to um, PAX Australia, must have been five years ago now. And I mean, I don't even have that same sort of uh, level investment that you do with um, obviously being part of the development community. And then the, I mean, I'm a big fan of Monkey Island, but certainly doesn't seem, it doesn't seem to have kind of resonated on the same level that it has with you. But even I, like, nerded out a little bit from across the room when I spotted him. Oh, yeah. So I can absolutely appreciate that. The guy is a genius. Yeah, you know, Double Fine, Nick. They have Incredible very, stuff. They have a very interesting um, style, I guess, where you can look at something and be like, oh, yeah, it looks like a Double Fine game, <laughs> which is cool. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So as we, as we wrap this up... Uh, if uh, the listeners today are looking to uh, track down more of your work, get in, get in touch in different ways, uh, and obviously keep an eye on Witchbrook and other Chucklefish products, where would they be best to head? So I am mostly on Twitter. So if you follow me at Supernorm, so that's S-U-P-E-R-N-O-R-N, uh, <laughs> a lot of people get the N and the M's mixed up. So they try and search for yes. Super, Super Mum, which is not my name. Do not put Super Mum into Twitter. Um, <laughs> you'll you'll get my uh, my Twitter, and yeah, that's that's mostly where I post my stuff. Um, it's a lot of it is like retweeting Chucklefish stuff, but there's, there's some nice little nuggets of my work in there as well. And you can get to my uh, portfolio website from there that I haven't updated, which I probably should have updated. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's kind of that's where I am. I've, I've concentrated myself into one location easy access no that's it's a perfectly normal and probably the right way to do it really um yeah I, I, nice yeah nice and easy to access as you said yeah i tried to do facebook instagram twitter i just couldn't keep up with three different things so yeah it's a lot to work. try and juggle yeah i don't blame you whatsoever my yeah. i used to be primarily facebook and then that just kind of disappeared mm. yeah. uh, many years ago and i don't think i miss it too much i don't i don't think i need that many ads popping up in my feed all the time <laughs> yes um so, Adam, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on your show today. Um, it, like I said before, it's been great having someone that's more or less solely working in the artistry and animation side of things. I've had a lot of people from a lot of other spaces so far, um, but you are the, the first that I've had that's really dedicated in that space. You are doing some fantastic work. Um, Wargroove, obviously, is the most recent release there. It looks fantastic. Uh, and then, obviously, the, the credits along the way. Um, I won't at all object if Chucklefish slash you find a, uh, find a way to return to Wayward Tide because pirate games are awesome. Pirates are awesome. Well, it goes back to that but, uh, thing, right? <laughs> there we go. Yes, exactly. Um, but otherwise, it is, yeah, it has been fantastic having you on the show. Thank you very much for sharing your journey with us today. Oh, it's been great. Thank you for inviting me on the show. And uh, I've had a really nice time. It's been a really good chat. And listeners, thank you very much for listening. I'll see you next time.
That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you would like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until our next episode, however, that's been Adam Story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.